stand. You may be seated. I was watching that video and I thought, well, if uh, God's grace is like a gentle wind, then we are getting a dose of it. Amen. I saw some of you about to blow over coming in this morning. So that surprising wind, every time the doors would open, we couldn't unlock them because they kept blowing open and staying open. Every time they would blow open, I would just shout, come Holy Spirit. Amen. You're welcome in this place. Just come on in. Uh, If you have a Bible, I want you to turn to Ephesians, and it's going to be easy to follow along this morning because we're only going to look at one verse, and uh, you can find it also in your order of service, but I hope that you're bringing your Bible and looking and taking some notes because I, I think some of the things that we're talking about in such a practical manner can make a huge difference in your life. Maybe not this morning and maybe not next week, but down the road as you face circumstances and situations that overwhelm you, uh, especially as we get into chapter five and six and we talk about marriage and relationships and children and parents and talk about spiritual warfare. Those are things that uh, you can cling to during difficult times. You know, I was watching a movie this week, and I was reminded how much uh, movies have an impact on us, how much television shows have an impact on us. You know, I think all of us probably have a favorite catchphrase from one of our favorite movies. Probably uh, it'd be difficult for you to come up with a favorite catchphrase. Probably some of you have uh, several catchphrases and usually what happens is uh, catchphrases from movies or lines from movies that we download into our brain become a part even more so than the movie of what we think the movie is. Uh, When we think of the movie, we think of the catchphrase. It automatically comes to our brain. And uh, today and nowadays on the internet, it becomes an internet meme or meme and goes all over the place. And uh, those catchphrases live on. And you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about everything from uh, Gone with the Wind and Frankly My Dear or Casablanca and Play It Again Sam or maybe uh, The Princess Bride, Inconceivable or uh, Hello, My Name is Inigo Montoya, Prepare to Die or You Kill My Father. Prepare to die. Uh, Maybe that's over your head or before your time. Uh, If it is, you need to go rent it uh, if you haven't seen that. But all of us have catchphrases. I, they ring off in my head. Matter of fact, I, I preached one year. My goal was to use a catchphrase from Seinfeld uh, in every sermon that I had that year. And so for 50 weeks, I preached. And in the middle of those messages, like a little egg, you know, that was out there. And, and uh, all the Seinfeld fans would kind of smile and grin when I would, it would come out. And it uh, made me feel bad because half the people didn't get it. But I love catchphrases. And so I was looking this week at the top catchphrases of all times. And one of them surprised me because it was a movie that's not real well known and it's not real famous. Uh, But as I thought about it and I went back and reflected on the catchphrase, it it is something that rings true. And even if you haven't seen the movie, you probably can remember the catchphrase. And it's a movie from 1992 uh, called A Few Good Men. And it's a movie that's a military movie. It stars Tom Cruise back when he was in his prime and uh, Jack Nicholson and... and, uh, They were uh, in trial together and had conflict together. You see Tom Cruise's character, Caffey. uh, He was a JAG lawyer, attorney. He was defending some soldiers that were accused of hazing another soldier and eventually killing that soldier. And uh, Nicholson's character, who was probably one of the 
greatest characters, I mean, I hate to say it, he's got some great characters, but one of his best characters that he was able to portray was Colonel Jessup. And he was in charge of the base where the soldier was killed. And so they're trying to get to the, the bottom of what's going on and what happened with this murder of this soldier. And, and uh, it climaxes in a scene in the courtroom where Tom Cruise's character is trying to get Jessup, Colonel Jessup, who is Nicholson's character, to, to lose it, trying to get him to show some emotion so maybe he'll, he'll come out and we can find out what's going on. And so they're, they're having a back and forth and, and, and you know, their voices are getting raised and the tempers are getting raised and the judge is losing control and, and, and Jessup screams out at Tom Cruise's character and says, so you think you want to know the answers? And Tom Cruise yells back at him, no, I want to know the truth. And Nicholson's character with his veins sticking out in his neck leans up and yells, There you go. See, you guys have seen some movies. You can't handle the truth, right? What a great catchphrase. What a great line for a movie. And I think it resonates with us because who hasn't wanted to use that line, right? I mean, you go into work and your boss says, why were you late? You can't handle the truth, right? Teacher says, where's your homework? You can't handle the truth. I mean, that works, right? It's a great question, and it's really a great question for us this morning. Because in the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about truth. See, we learned a couple of weeks ago in Ephesians that there is an absolute truth, regardless of what our morally relativistic society teaches us. There is truth. There is right and wrong. And that truth isn't found in philosophies or or some laws or even in some culture. That truth... Paul told us in Ephesians is found in the person of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is not just some truth or a truth. He is the truth. And he declared it himself in John that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And what we learned last week is, is when we have an encounter with that truth, when we have an encounter with Jesus Christ, our lives are always changed. You can never be the same. Now, you may not receive him, you may not accept him, but your life will be different because you have rejected him. Because an encounter with real truth always brings change. And for most of us, it changes us on the inside. It changes who we are. We become a new person because we have accepted the truth of Jesus Christ, who he is, what he did, and what he did for us. And then Paul's telling us that that truth that that Jesus does for us begins to work its way out of us. It begins to slowly change us on the outside. Not just this new creation, this new person. It begins to change us and our actions and our attitudes and our behaviors because slowly we are being made over into the image of that truth, over into the image of Jesus Christ. You see, that truth is so powerful, it can't be just contained within my spirit. It has to change everything about me, and so it comes out. As I look more and more like Jesus, a spiritual term, theological term for that is sanctification. You see, as a Christ follower, once I encounter that truth, I can't keep that truth to me. It starts changing, changes the way I think, changes the way I act, changes the things that I do in my life. Paul puts it greatly in Ephesians chapter 4. I want you to listen what he says. And, and this is some of what we looked at last week, verse 20. You, however, talking to the Christ followers, did not come to know Christ that way. 
Surely you heard him and were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You see, not only is he truth, the truth is in him. Because when he lived a sinless life here on earth, that example to us, the possibilities for us. The, the life that we can have was exampled by Jesus' life here on earth. That gives us a goal to shoot for. He says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your mind. And we talked a couple of weeks ago about the battle of your mind, and that the way we are changed from the inside out starts with our thinking. That if we can ever get God in our mind into our mindset, it begin, that will always work its way out into our actions. If we just try to change our actions without changing our mind, it never lasts. It never stays with us. It's always just futile because we give up over time because our mind is fighting our body. He says, and to put on a new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You see, what Paul is doing is he is trying to tell us what it looks like on a practical way when we put off our old self and put on our new self. And you see, that is our responsibility. Now, the Holy Spirit will help you. But once you become a Christ follower, your job, your goal is to be more like Christ. Why? Because we are to be a testimony of his truth to the world around us. See, we're walking billboards. We're coming attractions. When people look at our lives, they're supposed to see the truth that changed our life. And so how do we do that? We put off our old self that's being corrupted that flesh, and we put on a new self. Now what Paul's about to do in the next five verses, really eight verses, is he's going to explain practically what that looks like, how you put off something and what you put on to replace it. And you can look ahead and read ahead and see he's going to tell us that we have to put off falsehood and put on truth and put off anger and put on reconciliation and put off laziness and put on hard work. And we need to put off words that tear down and put on words that lift up and encourage. We need to put off bitterness and rage and slander and malice and instead put on compassion and kindness and forgiveness. But this morning, we're only going to deal with one of those aspects. We're only going to look at verse 25. And I have to tell you, my plan originally was to cover all of these eight verses in one sermon, to do it all in one time and talk about the things that we put off and the things that we put on. But as the more I studied, the more I read, the Holy Spirit just continued to convict me that I was supposed to camp here this morning. That for at least one Sunday morning, I was supposed to camp on this one verse. And you see what that made me come to the conclusion is that maybe many of us in this room can't handle the truth either. See, look what Paul says in verse 25. The very first thing he says to put off and on. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthful to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Now that sounds so simple. Sounds like a real easy to understand passage. Should be a short sermon, right? I mean, it's straightforward. It's a no-brainer. We need to stop lying. I mean, that's what the King James Version says. Put off lying. Tell the truth. That, I mean, we all understand that, right? Shouldn't have to explain it. Most of us, we're adults. You were taught from the time you were little. Lying is bad. Lying will get you in trouble. Lying is not what God wanted. I mean, it's one of the big ten, right? Do not bear false witness against your neighbor. Don't lie. You've been told that. But you see, what Paul is trying to say is something much deeper. It's much deeper than just telling a lie. It's much deeper than just being dishonest. And the consequences for what Paul is trying to say 
are huge for the church, and they're huge for you and I. See, remember I've told you, and hopefully you've got this by now walking slowly through the book of Ephesians, that as you study and as you read, if you want to know what a verse says, you look at context, context, context. You looked at the verses around it. What is the context with which that verse was used? Well, what is the context of all of these verses in chapter 4? He's talking about the church. And just so that we get it, he throws in here at the end of verse 25 this. Speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. You see, he was reminding us the context of putting off falsehood is within the context of the church. It's how we act and speak and live around one another within the body of Christ. Not just our church, all churches. I mean, sure, you can take this passage and talk about lying. You you can take this passage and talk about being truthful. But Paul is trying to get to a deeper truth that the church has got to grasp. And if you and I can't grasp it, we will never be an effective church that God's called us to be. You see, the term that he uses here for falsehood is the Greek word that the Latin prefix we get for pseudo. Pseudo, P-S-E-U-D-O, pseudo. And that's the Latin prefix for falsehood here. Now, what does pseudo mean? Pseudo simply means the idea of something that appears to be genuine, but is not. We use the word pseudonym. Pseudoname. What does that mean? It's somebody's using a name that appears to be their real name, but it's not their real name. It's to hide who they really are, so they have a pseudonym. So you see, what Paul is saying is we need to put off pseudo put off the variety of things that appear to be genuine but they're not now what in the world could he be talking about what in our lives appear to be genuine that are not especially in the context of church what do you and i do and say that might appear to be genuine to others around us but in reality we know they are not what are some of the pseudo things well, listen to how the Message Bible translates this passage. What this adds up to then is this. No more lies, no more pretense. And I love that he translates falsehood as pretense. That's even better than pseudo. Tell your neighbors the truth, for in Christ's body we are all connected to each other. When you lie to others, you are mainly lying to yourself. You see, what he is saying here basically is that in the body of Christ, when we pretend to be something that we're not, it hurts us and it hurts the church. You see, Paul is using this as a call to authenticity. He's using it as a call for you and I to learn to be real, to learn to be open, to learn to be honest. He uses the word members here, and it's a play on word that he used earlier in one of his illustrations. It's the Greek word melos, and it means limbs, like limbs of your body. And you see, what Paul is saying is what binds us together as Christians is the truth. See, we're not unified because we all come to First Baptist Blowing Rock or, or because you grew up here or because you, you have a bumper sticker on your car. That does not unify you. We are united because of Jesus Christ and His truth. But what Paul is saying is what happens is when we are untruthful, when we are pseudo, when we put on pretenses, the limbs of the body get loose. 
And you can't be unified. You can't be connected. You can't be strong as long as you're not truthful to one another. Now, I think as we start looking at that and thinking about that, some of the things become a little more obvious. You see, anything less than the truth destroys us. Now, I know most of you are thinking, Pastor, that doesn't apply to me because I would never lie to my brothers and sisters in Christ. I would never be dishonest to other people in the church, right? Let me ask you a couple of questions to think about. Is it possible that you could be a different person when you're at church and around other Christians than maybe you are the rest of the week? Is it possible that maybe you're different at church than you are at home or different at church than you are at school or different at church than you are around other people? Maybe you have a different language you use when you're around coworkers and students and family and friends and those on your team than maybe you use on Sunday. Do you treat people outside the church different than you treat people inside? Because you see, if you're trying to live several different lives, depending on your setting, maybe you can't handle the truth. See, the Bible teaches that that kind of lifestyle is dishonest. We hate the word hypocrite because the world likes to throw it at us all the time. They're just a bunch of hypocrites at that church. Well, guess what? We all are hypocrites because we all struggle with this. But that word in its genesis is not a, a negative word. It's a Greek word that simply means one who wears masks. It came from Greek theater. You, those of you that study theater, you recognize the, the character for theater is the different masks, the face masks. They, they didn't have time in Greek theater. You only had two or three actors. They didn't have time to put on new costumes and chains. They put masks up to display the character. If they were mad, they put a frown mask on. And if they were happy, they put a smile mask on. And they would act out soliloquies. They would act out these plays with these different masks. And that person who used a different mask became known as a hypocrite. Why? Because he was one thing to one person and one thing to another. See, what Paul is saying is when we live our life that way, not only do we lie to ourselves, but we lie to the body around us. You know, in Acts chapter 5, we hear the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Church had just started, the early church. Peter had preached, thousands were coming, the Holy Spirit had fallen, it was moving in power. Somebody in the church donated some of their land to give to the church, and everybody in church was so excited. So Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, decided what a great way to get recognized With all these people coming to the church, let's sell our land and give the money to the church and then everyone will look at us and pat us on the back and think we are super spiritual. But the problem was they decided to sell their land at a profit and keep the profit and pretend they gave everything to the church. They say, what's the big deal? They They didn't, you know, have to do any of that. No, they didn't have to. But the big deal was they were pretending to be something that they were not for their glory instead of God's glory. And the Holy Spirit was moving in such power in the early church that that wouldn't be tolerated. God wasn't going to share His glory and the Holy Spirit was not going to allow pseudo falsehoods within the body of Christ. And so they came in and Peter asked them, did you, did you give everything? They said, this is everything. And immediately he was struck dead. 
And they brought his wife in, and he, his dead body had just been carried out. And they asked her, what did you give to the church? And she said, we gave everything. And she was struck dead instantly. God takes it serious because it destroys our witness and it destroys our fellowship. Maybe that's not you. Maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've never pretended to be something that you're not. How about when people ask you how you're doing? And you say, just fine and smile. Or are you honest about what you're going through? you share your struggles? Do you share your hurts with others? Or are you afraid of what they might think? I'm not talking about coming to church and dumping all of your problems on somebody. But I'm talking about being open and honest enough to look another believer in the eye and share your hurts so that they can minister to you. Maybe we can't handle the truth. Have you ever told somebody that you'd pray for them and then didn't? Maybe it just sounded like the right thing to say then. Maybe you intended to pray for them. You thought, I'll, I'll pray. And you got so busy, you just... Paul said that's a falsehood. Maybe we can't handle the truth. How about if you ever made a commitment to a ministry or a commitment to some uh, program or to help in some way and you didn't follow through? Maybe we can't handle the truth. Maybe some of you here this morning, you're struggling with a temptation or sin in your life. Have you shared it with anyone? Maybe in your small group or your accountability group or one of your good friends, have you shared it with them or are you afraid they'll betray you or worried about what somebody might think? Maybe you don't want to appear weak. James tells us that within the church, we're to confess our sins to each other and pray for each other so that we may be healed. See, the body of Christ is supposed to be a hospital for the hurting, not a health spa. If none of us are willing to admit that we hurt and struggle, then how are we ever going to get well? Maybe we just can't handle the truth. Maybe somebody just wanted to help you. They knew you were struggling. They knew you needed help. You told them you were okay. Told them you didn't need anything. Say, Pastor, that's not a lie, is it not? Could you have used their help? Would their help been a blessing to you? But your pride caused you to falsehoods. You see, Paul is wanting us to understand that these are big deals. The present tense that he gives here is not just to put off falsehood, but to keep on telling the truth. You see, not only do we need to stop pretending we're something that we're not, stop wearing masks, stop trying to be something or put on airs like we're something or that we're perfect or we don't have any problems or we don't have any struggles. He also said we need to create a place, an atmosphere where the truth flourishes, where the truth can set people free, where people can be healed by the truth of the Word of God. We need to keep prospering the truth where people can feel honest and real. I love what Mark Twain said, when in doubt, tell the truth. It'll confound your friends and astound your enemies. That's the truth. So why is it such a big deal? Why in the world would, of this list of things, and if you keep reading, you'll see the list. Why would Paul put pseudo or falsehoods at the top of this list? Well, as I close, I want you to think about this. First of all, because it affects you pretty strongly. 
How does it affect you? Because you can't grow spiritually if you're pretending to be something that you're not. You'll never grow spiritually. Because you see, to grow, to get better at something requires that you admit that you need help. You have to admit that you need to get better. You see, an athlete will never get better if they think they're the best that they are. Best that they're ever going to be. If they say, I'm not going to practice anymore. I'm not going to do anything because I don't need anything else. And you see, when we come in and pretend like we have all the answers and everything is going great and we have no needs or no struggles or no sin or no temptation and, and we pretend that spiritually we are spiritual giants, then we can never grow from that place because we are trying to grow from a place that we are not instead of a place we are. It's kind of like when I have couples come in to do premarital counseling and I have them fill out these personality worksheets. I always laugh because, because there's a tendency to fill out the personality worksheets according to who you want to be or who you wish you were instead of who you actually are. You ask questions on there. Are you loving or affectionate? Do you do some, you know, and all of yes, yes, yes. And you start talking. You're like, That's, why'd you put Yes. Because I want to be someday. Well, that doesn't help us today. That doesn't get to the problems that you might deal with. And you see, that's what we do spiritually. And what happens is we get so comfortable pretending that when all of a sudden God begins to whisper in our ear, when all of a sudden God wants to begin to get us out of our comfort zone and get us to grow, we're not listening because we think we already got everything okay. Because we've lied to ourselves long enough that we've convinced ourselves that we're doing okay. That's called rationalization. It hinders our witness. It hinders our relationship to God. But I think what Paul was wanting us to understand more than anything, as long as it affects you, it affects the church body. You see, we are connected. And when we're not honest with each other, it kills the atmosphere of unity and the atmosphere of love and compassion that God is calling the church to have. You see, first of all, relationships are damaged. Because if we don't trust each other, if we can't build up trust, how will we ever learn to grow together? If we don't trust somebody enough to tell them what's going on in our life, especially in the church, without them having to worry about being judged, without them having to worry about gossip, it destroys relationships. The second thing is in the church, it hurts ministry. Because let me give you a little clue. Whatever you're going through right now in your family, in your marriage, at school, at home, at work, there is somebody else in this room that has either gone through it or is going through it right now. And sometimes God allowed them to go through it so that later in their life they could help love and minister to others as they go through it. And so there is somebody here that's probably walked the path that you're walking and seen God get them through to victory and they are waiting to minister to somebody that needs them. And you not being honest robs them of that opportunity. See, it hinders our ministry. It damages relationships. Worship is diminished. Because the Bible says we're to come in in spirit and truth. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Come in and say, God, I'm wide open. If we come with masks on, how is that ever going to be authentic worship? 
We come more worried about people watching us or us watching other people or worried about why is that person doing this or look what they have on. We can't focus on having an encounter with the living God who wants to change us. But when we can come in honest and open and and just like we are, then we can come before the place where we don't have to be told somebody needs to visit someone, that it's a hospital for the hurting. And they can find healing. And they can find rest. And they can recover. But God, that's only going to happen when one person is willing to say, I'm taking off my mask. Where one person is willing to say, God... I want to start right where you say I am. God, I pray you let your love flow over each one of us now as we seek your heart in your name. Amen. Would you stand and worship?